What's up, nerds? And welcome back to your weekly review podcast. That's right, you're locked in and tuned in to the 3FN Podcast. As always, we are coming to you from the 8122 Studios at Dragon Master Games. Of course, this week we are going to be celebrating a 30th anniversary. That's right, the 30th anniversary of the Sylvester Stallone classic cliffhanger in our 3FN Movie Club review. But before we get there, I'm your host, Rich, and the nerds are all here again this week. First, he is the man that, after watching Cliffhanger, decided he wanted to go for rock climbing lessons and just in a very short period of time has already said he's going to scale Mount Everest. That's right, I'm talking about Ron. Just remember, all the dead bodies on Mount Everest was somebody that was highly motivated at some point in their life and failed. Yeah, and uh, are, are you saying that you're going to be joining them? Uh, yeah, I'm just going to look at the base and just say, yeah. <laughs> he's yeah, gonna, I'm done. I'm going. I'm going home. He's going to base camp, and then he's going to send his camera up the mountain. <laughs> drone, <laughs> drone, drive it out. There you go. Somebody take a picture and then send it back. Why aren't you in the picture? Because I was taking the picture, <laughs> dumbass. <laughs> Somebody had to hold the camera. <laughs> I mean, we could save all that. Just Google image that shit, whatever. <laughs> and of course, he is uh, the man that doesn't need an introduction, yet he has the longest introduction in all of podcasting. Ladies and gentlemen, I give to you hashtag Big Natty Cool, hashtag Mad Dog Strong Style, hashtag Challenge Accepted, hashtag Diesel Malenko, because he's the man of a thousand and four hashtags. He is the leader of the Minnows Gang and is your favorite podcaster's favorite podcaster. He's the man, the myth, and the legend rolled into one jolly old ginger-bearded feller. Ladies and gentlemen, here is Diesel. I am the Sylvester Stallone of podcasting. Mushed mouth and eye candy. <laughs> Mushed mouth and eye candy. I like it, but you're not ripped and shredded. Yeah, people like dad bods. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean, you. The proper answer should have been like it's just underneath the padding. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's underneath the padding. Diesel, you haven't been here. Uh, you had. We took a week off because, of course, you shan't, shan't be watching <laughs> Evil Dead Rise and probably a good decision. <laughs> so we're going to start with you, which we usually don't start with you. How's been uh, the past couple weeks since we haven't heard from you? I've been pretty busy. Uh, just doing the two jobs thing. The one job's gotten really slow the last couple weeks, um, but. The other job's super busy, so I took a couple days off early for my one job, and then I came here and helped out early, and then, uh, like we said during the pre-show, like me and Rich went out for dinner this week uh, with him and his wife. It was a great meal over at El Pupo? Yes, it's El Pupo. The Octopus. Um, good Mexican place. That, that, that red sauce, a little spicy. A little spicy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they definitely, the consomme. They, had a, they have a red consomme that's very spicy. Um, and then I made my return to playing Magic this week for the first time since last July. I actually played in a tournament and did tremendously horribly. Oh, I thought you did so well. Um, well, he did so well at finishing last. <laughs> it would have been me if I tried. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, dude, I wouldn't even have placed. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> one in four came in dead last. I would have won zero games. So you yeah. won one more game than I won. So don't feel bad. Do not feel bad. But it's, it's been fun. Um Last weekend, uh, did work and then uh, went up and visited my dad. And nice. So it's just been pretty quiet. Well, that's nice. good. You had a little stress-free couple yeah. weeks except for work, and uh, that's good to hear. So glad to hear you're back, and we're definitely glad to have you on the show. Talk about Cliffhanger. Uh, Ronald, yeah. how has been your week? Overall, the week hasn't been too bad. You know, uh, work is work, and I'm officially probably on pothole patrol for the next month, month and a half because my sweeper's down. So that's going to be a pain, but you know, we got to do that. Uh, Wednesday, we had our Wednesday group, which we changed 
Uh, we started a new campaign only because one of our players had to have uh, surgery, so he's out for like a month to recoup. So we started a new campaign, and all three of us that made characters chose intelligence as our dumb stat without yeah. without realizing we all chose intelligence as our dumb stat. Yeah. So we are <laughs> dumb as a bag of rocks walking around this campaign. Like you're like, oh, wh- 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 are you gonna go to the haunted house in the middle of the night? Well, yeah. Why wouldn't we? And then everybody else agreed. I'm like, this isn't weird. And then we finally realize at the end of the session that our dumb sets are all intelligence. It's Dumb and Dumber, the campaign. Oh, dumb, Dumber, and Dumbest. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. We got a, a lizard folk cleric. Oh. Uh, yeah. Oh, a dumb gecko? <laughs> yeah. And then a dwarf rogue. Oh, not a little midget. <laughs> dwarf d- rogue. D- dumb midget? Duh. Ooh. Yeah. And then I'm a Warforge monk. <laughs> that are you like a religious zealot kind of dumb? No, I was just I was the the wizard that created me just needed a uh, protection. So my name is Dirk Punch because I don't realize that my last name is just her telling me to punch something. Okay, because I'm dumb. <laughs> nice. So <laughs> so if we, if this character lasts, I I want to do something with it, but I'll save it to see if it makes it. Yeah. But I have a kind of an idea where to push this character. But it's like his name's just Dirk Punch, and he's like because he thought that's he hears other people's names having two names. He just assumed Punch, Punch was, was his left. last name. <laughs> he didn't put two and two together. What about his cousin, Dirk Kick? There was no cousin yet. <laughs> Maybe she made another one. You know, it, we, we, well, my my other players established that the wizard was female because she needed a toy. Ooh. <laughs> that that would have been Dirk Lick. Oh, Dirk Fister. <laughs> Dirk Fister. <laughs> but that, that nice. so like the funny the funny part is we're all writing each other's characters as this campaign's going on. <laughs> Just a bunch of goddamn bush like, brains. Like because Dirk couldn't figure out why the lizard folk left his village or little group, and he's like, "Well, because I need to get experience so I can cure cure disease, so I can save my." Tribe from disease, <laughs> but wow. he's a dullard. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, so we're just. Writing, I mean, that's kind of like real life, though. Yeah. <laughs> like we're just sitting here, we're just all writing each other's characters, just just because it's just a fill-in campaign yep. setting for a month, and so it'd be forced. You know, we got three more sessions. We'll see where it goes. Yep. If we if this stays on, you know, so we have it for something later, it'd be amazing. Mm-hmm. But it was like a fill-in week or something. But it's just sitting there, and it's it's just funny and how this is all working out. That we're just sitting there, and we're just at the end, we're just like, "Wait, what's your dumb set? Intelligence." I'm like, fuck. I'm like, "What's your dumb set? Intelligence." I'm like, oh shit, we had the fucking three stooges, motherfuckers, yep. and this is how we're doing it too. Oh, may you all roll nat twenties and just <laughs> blessedly rain through this campaign, <laughs> dude. It's it's just funny. Uh, and then Thursday, while you guys were having dinner, uh, Jeff and I decided to go see the Pope's Exorcist. Not a half bad movie, you know. You can wait until it gets on streaming services if you want to. Uh, I enjoy it, and I wasn't upset that I saw it, but it's not the greatest thing in the world. So you know, that's pretty much been the week. Well, that's awesome. Good job, good job, everybody. My week has been filled with more lacrosse, more lacrosse, <laughs> and rainy, cold lacrosse games. Because that's what it's been in this area. Ugh. It's been cold and rainy, and I've been outside watching lacrosse games. I'm surprised I'm not sick. Lots of work. I, you know, it's the senior year thing. You guys hear me say it all the time. July first. <laughs> 
July 1st is his graduation party. So July 2nd, I'm going to like kiss the ground and go, I've made it through. Uh, once again, then we get getting him ready to go to college. But that's not as pressing as going to games and all that stuff. So I'm not complaining. I enjoy uh, my parenting, but it's just like I have zero time. <laughs> is, he, uh, is, he, is he going away to college? Or is he no, he's, he's staying here. SUNY Broom. He's going know. to Yale by the jail. I'm just asking. I don't know. I didn't know what the process is. I, mean, I, I still call it Yale by the jail. It's still true. Yeah, still true. But anyways, uh, no, yeah, that's that's where he's going. He's already uh, been accepted, if you will. And so we're just going to get him in, into yeah. everything going in or did, filling out his financial. He went to an open house this past weekend. So there's like all this stuff going on, which I'm once again, I'm not complaining, but there was three times this weekend where I ate dinner at 930 at night. Just <laughs> throwing that out there. I'm uh, going a little bit in. Uh, before we go and jump into anything further, I got a couple show notes. Uh, we are recording this early. So you guys are going to be getting it early. We are recording this on a Sunday because we are doing a 30th anniversary movie as the movie review of cliffhanger we've already said that so uh there will be no diesel's movie triple stuff because there's no box office or any of that it will return next week because next week's 3fn movie club review will be uh, once again a brand new film and it'll be a huge film because it's guardians of the galaxy volume 3 so we will be doing that in the next week's show so that'll be the return of diesel's movie triple stuff for all you fans wondering and waiting that's where we'll be the other announcement is that uh if you guys listened during the break last uh week in between the two segments we have finally started uh advertising for live stream for the cure which is uh, coming up uh may 18th through the 20th and uh it was very important to us this money is is going in we're uh, trying to get twenty five thousand dollars for the cancer research institute every year uh this that the live stream is gone this is the seventh annual one this is the fourth that myself and ken m have been a part of so 607 podcast as a whole and every year we have smashed the record so we're being ambitious this year as a group twenty five thousand dollars and we're trying to get there so uh for everybody out there please tune in to live streams or the cure it is going to be on twitch live you can just search live stream for the cure make sure you're that already if you want all information it's livestreamforthecure.com we're going to have all of that information up on the liner notes coming in up in the future well this episode look in the liner notes there's going to be there plus social media will be pumping it out because it's a very important thing to us for myself and ken m every year you know the odph and the 3fm podcast we get together for 607 podcast and we're one of the few wrestling creators that go on there as well because obviously me and ken m do the 607 tws every week if you're into pro wrestling check that show out so we'll be doing our 607 tws stuff but i'm bringing a little 3fn to the party this year because this year our time is on friday may 19th at 10 p.m eastern standard time myself and ken m will be reviewing the legendary the greatest wrestling movie of all time. That's right. We'll be reviewing the movie that is not, in fact, Dookie. That's right. We're reviewing No Holds Barred. Oh. No, not Ready to Rumble. No Holds Barred. <laughs> so, uh, listen, I like Ready to Rumble. No Holds Barred is more fun. Dookie is all you need to know. So uh, so that's what we're going to be doing. And if you guys listen to 3FN, uh, we do the movie club reviews. What you're going to hear, obviously, if you're listening to the show... Uh, that's how we're going to do the review live on Live Stream for the Cure live on Twitch. That'll be May 19th, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Of course, there, there will be replays and stuff. And also, tune in anytime. Now, the other thing we do is every year we make a shirt where we donate 100% of the proceeds to Live Stream for the Cure. We take none of it. We The, the cost of the shirts being made and everything come out of pocket. Once again, we're going to be doing that this year. Uh, the design will be up on the interwebs this week, but I can tell you kind of what it's going to be like. So it's going to be a 607TWS shirt because why not? <laughs> so it is uh, going to say 607TWS, the only pro wrestling podcast that uh, that's always no holds barred. It's going to be the no holds barred logo on it. Uh, the shirt is $20. The, here's the catch. You go to livestreamforthecure.com slash donate. You donate the $20 straight to them. 
You send me a picture either in our email, which our email address is what, Diesel? 3FatNerdsPod at gmail.com. Or if you can't remember that, it's in the liner notes because you can also go to uh, 3FNPodcast.com and go to contact us. Put it in the thing that you're getting a shirt. Or you can hit us up in a DM on all the social medias. You tell me your shirt size, your name, and your address so I can send it to you. And you send me a screenshot of the confirmation that you have donated 20 bucks, and we send you a shirt. There it is. If you get the orders, if you get it in before May the 15th, you will be on the first run of shirts because we're getting a first run because myself and Ken need them for the actual live stream because we'll be wearing them live. And then if you get them to us after because we're going to run it through the live stream so people on the live stream can get them as well if they want, we are going to send that next shipment out the next week. So that's all going to be done. And we're doing it through Upstate Merch, which, uh, of course, uh, people on the current, that's where I also work. Uh, but on top of that, uh, they're always partner, great in partnering us with stuff like this. So uh, thank you to them as well. So we're going to be doing those shirts. So $20, livestreamforthecure.com slash donate. I don't even touch the money. Now, if for whatever reason you have a problem uh, with donating like that, Go ahead and hit me up, and we can get you a way to PayPal, uh, Venmo, you know, cash at me the money, and I'll donate it for you. Or if you know us in person, for those who are locally and do know us personally, if you would like to just hand me 20 bucks, that's fine as well. I will just donate it as part of a donation because I always do a donation on top of everything as well. So no matter what, 100% are going to donations. Uh, the shirt costs and stuff like that are being split between us and Upstate Merch, so thanks to them once again. So therefore, we are going to be doing that as of... Uh, so May 15th is the first orders and then the second orders will be the week after that So we're gonna keep it around run two runs because I want to have the orders in so if you do that once again email or DM your, your First of all your confirmation that you spent the $20 donated I should say Secondly uh, your name your address and your size because those are important Otherwise you're getting a small well, other, well, uh, honestly, otherwise you're getting a large because that's like the most average size. And I don't know where to ship it to if you don't give me your address. So I'll have a large made and it'll just sit here until at what time you tell me where it's going or I'll donate it to somebody else. I don't know. But that is what we're doing. So, yes, we are trying to live in a world where it is cancer free and to, together we can make a difference. So make sure you follow that. And also, since we're not going to have a break in the show, because when we do older movies, we don't do the break in the middle. At the end of the show, we will be playing the live stream for the Cure promo because I just believe in making sure the word gets out as much as possible. Hit that 25,000 goal for everybody. So make sure you get a hold of us uh, this week on social media and stuff. And uh, I will be getting out the design of the shirt because that's being finished up now. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. So can't wait for it. May the 19th is our time at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. But May 18th through 20th, uh, there's a ton of people. A lot of our friends in the podcasting and content creating universe are coming together for this. It's going to be fucking awesome. It's always a good time, and I can't wait for our stuff. I'm not getting drunk this year. Last year, I did uh, money for sh I did money for shots, and it, it ended badly. In an hour, I think I got alcohol poisoning. Yep. Uh. But we, we raised like $600 for cancer. So <laughs> I guess it wasn't for nothing. I mean, if I wasn't <laughs> sober for two and a half years, I'd do it for you this year. But I can't. yeah, dude, I can't. I, no, I'm not I making can't. anybody do that again. Uh, so this year we're doing a uh, a review. <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just sit in the corner and just every time, <laughs> but I just can't. I'll Maybe die. next time we'll do ready to rumble. How, how about shots of syrup? Syrup. Oh, Give yourself the sweet blood. That, that, that'll kill me too. <laughs> diabetes over here. What are you doing? You trying to turn me into Wolford Brimley? Like the fuck? You son of a bitch. Anyways, uh, so yeah, check it out. Make make sure you tune in for uh, the awesome uh, live stream for a cure. Live stream for a cure. Dot com slash donate twenty bucks. Send me the proof. And uh, on top of that, 
your size and address, and you will get a shirt. If you want them on the first run, I'm cheating. I'm look at he's like, handing me twenty there, bucks, there so is. we got twenty dollars right there from Ron, and there I already go. know there the size. Is. You don't have to embarrass yourself on air. Yeah, they already <laughs> know the, the same, size too. Dude, if they know the name of the show. It's, a, it's the same size that I wear. <laughs> Anyways, continuing on. Uh, thank you guys so much, and we will make sure we make that happen uh, coming up. So we'll be reminding you every week. So just to be known, this will be the longest of which, but we will be reminding you every single week. And I want to do that separate from what we have to do because before we can get into the 3FN Movie Club review. We got to take care of some business. That means we got to hit y'all off with some opening shameless plugs. Of course, for all information about the 3FN Podcast, it's simple. You go to 3FNPodcast.com. There, you can find the social media links. You can find the Public link. You can find the link to Patreon, patreon.com slash 3FN Podcast for where as a little as $1 a month, you get a ton of extra bonus content and help support everything we do around here. You will be able to find out about friends of the show, like the ODP podcast where Ken M is. You'll also be able to find the links for 3FN Podcast and 607TWS and you can stream all of those shows right from 3FNPodcast.com Next up, I gotta talk about the musical directory. We're good friends of the show who let us use their music and so we don't get the dreaded DMCAs. That's where they're at and support them, including our good friends, Shout at the Robots, whose song Fail Better is the theme song for the 3FN podcast you hear in the beginning of the show each and every week. Make sure you support all those great bands on Spotify, YouTube Music, and Bandcamp. And last but not least, there's a sponsor section, Diesel. And in that sponsor section, you know what we got. We got our main sponsor who sponsors everything we do here at 607 Podcast slash the 3FN Podcast. And that, of course, is Dragon Master Games. For all your Magic the Gathering and gaming needs, visit them on the World Wide Web, DragonMasterGames.com. Also, if you live in the 607 and you want to make your car look showroom fresh, take that bitch over on to Rex2Rods Auto Detailing. Diesel! When you're ready to put the pride back into your ride, who do you call? You just dial 607-644-3389. And tell them the 3FN Podcast sent you. Next up is our good friends over at Sci-Fi Horror Fest, where vendor spaces are 100% sold out, and there's limited VIP tickets left, but there's plenty of weekend passes and day passes. For all information, including guests like Felissa Rose, Ken Foray, Dave Sheridan, and much more, visit their website, SciFiHorrorFest.com. And last but not least, and Ron's drinking it today, as the energy sponsor of the 3FN Podcast. That's W Energy. D-U-B-B-Y.gg is where you go to order W Energy. W.gg. At checkout, put the promo code 3FNPOD. That's the number 3FNPOD in the promo box and get 10% off. And guess what? You can use that 10% every time you order over at w.gg thank you for being our energy sponsor wow yeah got it all in there hopefully you guys understood that but if you didn't just go to 3fnpodcast.com that's a little cheap shameless plug cheap 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 Cheap. cheap. sometimes you gotta do cheap Cheap, cheap. sometimes you gotta be a shill Shill diesel shill. Uh, you're, you're supposed to shill there. I always shill. <laughs> you can check out my OnlyFans, OnlyFans.com slash shill diesel shill. Uh, I don't know, but hopefully there's nobody with that name, or else we just made them some money. Ooh, yeah. Hey, y'all, y'all made some money on that. All right, well. Let's, let's get past this. We've chilled. We've told everybody about live stream for The Cure. We've uh, talked about our weeks. We're hoping that all of you at home have had amazing weeks. Let's get back to past the pleasantries. They all came here to check out the 3FM Movie Club review. So let's dive right on in. Welcome to 3FM Movie Club. 
It's time for the 3FN Movie Club review this week. And like I said before, we are celebrating our 30th year anniversary. And that is for the Sylvester Stallone vehicle cliffhanger. We're going to talk all about that in a minute. But uh, the rules do change around here for those of you who are new to listening or just this is the first episode. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, but usually we do a spoiler free and a spoiler full section. And we separate that by a break in the middle. However, when we're doing older films, and obviously if this is a 30th anniversary, this is an older <laughs> film, uh, is it's slightly different. So what we do for these is basically we'll do the, the whole stats and everything in the beginning like we do in the spoiler-free section. But instead of giving you a thumbs up, thumbs down, or thumbs in the middle spoiler-free review, we just dive right into the review. So you've been warned that there's spoilers. But this is a 30-year-old film, so I don't think spoilers really apply. Do you, Diesel? I don't think spoilers applied 30 seconds after this film came out. This <laughs> is not really like a plot driven movie so you really can't spoil you saw the trailer he's climbing up mountains that's all you need to know i, I just also want to point out this is also not one of those movies that not only is the is it not there there's no twist in this movie <laughs> no what what you paid for is what you get which is a colossal failure when your movie is called cliffhanger true <laughs> that's true i mean but the movie was about somebody who is cliffhanging <laughs> not leaving you on a cliffhanger didn't Anyways, uh, I'll see myself out. <laughs> Remember, the 7 o'clock uh, show is always different from the 9 o'clock show. All right. With that, let's get ready to dive in. So there you go. You've been warned that there will be spoiler sections. But once again, this is Cliffhanger 30 Years. And check if you haven't seen it yet, this might convince you to see it or might not convince you to see it. And if you haven't seen it in a while, I mean, it's not a bad thing to just hear us talk about. <laughs> so let's dive in. Let's get this party started, shall we? And of course, we get the party started with a spoiler-free synopsis. Man, I got a story to tell. And this is coming from IMDb, and this time we actually have a couple that I can read from. So we're gonna we're <laughs> gonna give you two, and I'm not gonna even read the uh, normal uh, IMDb generated one. We're gonna read two fan ones, and Ooh. I'm gonna give them shout outs here, shall we? So the first one is the shorter of the two, and this is written by uh, uh, Reb at Magna and uh, <laughs> Manga. Sorry, it's Manga. Uh, we have uh, he wrote Willis crossing a ledge four thousand feet above the earth. Gabe's friend's equipment fails to work and she slips out of his hand, falling to the ground. I don't know why I'm giving it this accent. Almost a year later, Gabe is asked to go back to the same mountain range and rescue a group of stranded people. The only catch is that these so-called stranded people are in fact looking for three boxes filled with $100 million and they need a mountain ranger to lead them to them. That's how they wrote the ending, I swear to God. Ranger to lead them to them. <laughs> factually correct right right uh, a little grammatically wrong but factually correct <laughs> factually correct all right this one's a little longer and this was uh written by uh, uh somebody from brazil wesley from brazil gabriel gabe walker by the way i don't he, she does call him gabriel once in the fight so yeah. i guess they do use the name gabriel i was gonna say wait that's a little whatever but is a skilled rescue climber leading a peaceful life in living a peace leading a peaceful life in the rocky mountains along with his fiance and a couple of friends however everything changes radically when a beloved friend dies accidentally gabe cannot climb anymore because he blames himself for the accident and he decides to quit to another place leaving behind all the people he still loves in order to forget his past 
Eight months later, Gabe returns intending to resume with his fiance, but his plans must be de uh, deferred as a group of thieves is in the mountains searching for two suitcases containing hundreds of millions of dollars that were accidentally dropped from a plane. Not really. They are willing to do anything to recover it, and Gabe must face his painful past to foreclose the uh, bandits to achieve their aim. I'm going to say the first one was better. First one was better. This one was factually incorrect. There were three packages of money. And was she really a friend, or was she just the the, the yeah. new fuck toy for? Her? No, oh. they loved each other. They loved each other. They yeah, were they were fiancés. Yes. They were they were. But they don't. Yes, we'll get to it during the review. <laughs> don't worry. We'll get to that portion during the review. But they were technically lovers. Yes. Secret oh. lovers, what they want to be. Oh, you can't sing this stuff. He's got canceled. Yeah. Anyways, uh, yes, they, they were lovers, though. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. Uh, trust me, I do want to. That's one of my points <laughs> to this movie. Uh, so before we can get there, though, let's. Uh, oh, sorry. Cliffhanger was released on May 28th of 1993. So uh, by the time this comes out, it will be May 1st. So it was this month, 30 years ago. Uh, the runtime was 113 minutes in the OG cut. But in 2000, they released a collector's cut, which was 124 minutes. Uh, I did not watch the extended cut. I watched the OG. Yeah, cut. I think I watched the OG. <laughs> I watched it on Paramount Plus for anybody. Yep, but it, it is, it is yeah. going to Netflix in May. So in mm -hmm. May, you can watch it on Netflix in May. If you have it on Paramount Plus, you can watch it now. That's where I watched it. Uh, the movie was estimated of a budget of $70 million. Yeah. Worldwide box office, $255 million. The domestic box office for this movie was $84 million. So it was a success. It made its money back in the domestic box office, but hell, it crushed the worldwide box office. Where was the sequel? I don't know. But then again, you know what? The 90s was a time where not every movie got a sequel, yeah, but it even if it was a, successful. It left on such a cliffhanger. <laughs> but did it? <laughs> Villain gone. It was basically it was a law and order episode. It really was. <laughs> it, it, it was nice. It, everything came together yep. in an hour and uh, almost almost two hours. I should yep. say it was almost a two hour runtime. Uh, so everything came together and ended in two hours. All right. Now that we know all of that stuff, let's find out who made the movie. Who made this? That's right. Uh, first of all, the director of this film, Rennie Harlan. Rennie Harlan was the director of this film. His first movie, Custody, back in 1980. And now we're going to get into some fun stuff of Rennie Harlan. Because now, the first movie most people knew him from, and I knew him from as soon as I saw the name, because uh, I obviously, when I watched the movie, I watched it, is he was the director of Nightmare on Elm Street 4, The Dream Masters in 1988. Oh, okay. So one of the first declining Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Uh, he was also the director of Die Hard 2 in 1990. Do you think that there's a reason why <laughs> this reminded you of Die Hard on a Cliff? <sighs> to be fair, like probably the worst of the Die Hard movies as well. Also in 1990, and I put this on here for funsies, he was the director of The Adventures of Ford Fairlane. You know what that movie is? Oh. That starred a certain comedian. Yeah, so they had, um, oh, what's his Come name? Come on, I, I, I don't want to tell you. I, I know his He's name. He's from New Jersey? I, I know exactly. Um, he doesn't talk with his real accent. He does, he does uh, the Dirty Limericks. He was yep. huge in the 80s. Yep. I cannot think of his Leather fucking... Leathercoat? Yeah, I, Andrew Dice Clay. There, there <laughs> it is. My like brain you. no work. Like, for once, I got it before you did. <laughs> I knew exactly who it was. I could picture him, but it was like, again, <laughs> for, the Sly Stallone of podcasting. Mush mouth and mush brain. I am Rocky right here. Listen, I, love, I love it. I just, I just kept giving you things. I'm like, you know what? We're going to make this interesting. Oh, yeah. For, I, I knew who it was. I just, I just like, My brain was just like, what's for, his fucking name? For once, that's that's me for all the time for once it wasn't me i'm like oh i know i know i know tell me tell me, tell me. Yeah, i just wanted to get him no to I, 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 that's why he, i shut up in 1995 after this 
movie, he directed Cutthroat Island. He would also do The Long Kiss Goodnight in 1996. And of course, I had to put this on here. Deepest, bluest, my head is like a shark's fin. He was the director of 1999's Deep Blue Sea. Also, in 2004, he would direct Exorcist, The Beginning, which, depending upon who you talk to, is depending upon how they feel about that movie. Uh, in 2009, he would direct the greatest cinematic warrior of all time, the great You Can't See Me, John Cena, in 12 rounds. That was the first John Cena movie, remember? Oh, yep. Oh, wow. Yeah. And last but certainly not least, uh, his most recent film credit, Class Reunion 3 in 2021. He's done, he's done a lot of smaller stuff in between uh, 2009, including that, that movie, and uh, beyond until now. So you're saying he peaked at Deep Blue Sea. Uh, I'm saying that if there was a peak, yes, it was probably Deep Blue Sea. Because uh, Cutthroat Island is a great movie. Uh, I haven't seen it in a while, but I remember it being good. And I always liked The Long Kiss Goodnight. Yeah. Uh, so I'm he did do some good movies in there. Die Hard 2 I'm a fan of as well. Ooh, but there's a, a rough one. It's a, it, yeah, but I still like it for all of its cheesiness. You know, there's, it's, like, it's kind of like Lethal Weapon. When we watched it and we gave it a score, lower score. Because it's kind of bad. But it's at the same time, it's kind of good. Yeah. Does that make sense? I don't know yeah. if it makes sense, but it makes sense to me. Anyways, uh, Rennie Harlan, uh, mixed bag of stuff there. Mixed bag. Uh, the screenplay of this movie was actually written by three people. First, John Long wrote the premise for the movie. Not the storyline, not the story, just the premise. Uh, that's the only movie he wrote a premise for. I do love seeing that in the opening credits. Based on the premise by. <laughs> Next up, uh, who wrote, did the lion's share, wrote the screen story and the screenplay was Michael France. Uh, Michael France's first movie was this movie. But then he only did a handful of movies after that. Are you ready to hear what Michael France is responsible for writing and why his career probably, why his career ended in 2005? So, first of all, he wrote Goldeneye in 1995. So, not bad, right? Right? Okay. Now here it comes. Ang Lee's Hulk in 2003. <laughs> the story was fine. Ooh, yeah. Oh, I feel dirty on that one. <laughs> now, this is my favorite out of all of these. In 2004, he wrote The Punisher, star starring Thomas Jane. I, I, this is my favorite out of these three. Because his last movie he wrote, and probably the reason why he's not had a job in Hollywood again, he wrote 2005's Fantastic Four. <laughs> Unforgivable. <laughs> so he wrote Angley's Hawk and Fantastic Four. Now, I'm not a man to shit on people, but Michael France. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Just throwing it out there. Uh, next up, though, in the last screenplay, because he writes all the screenplays, or at least gets credited for it when he's in the movie, Sylvester Stallone. Of course, writing credits include the Rocky movies, uh, his first movie that he wrote, Rocky, in 1976, uh, First Blood, and all the Rambo movies, Over the Top in 87, The Expendables in 2010, all those movies. So he, that's where he's got his writing credits from. Well, wouldn't it be cool if my character said, keep your hands and legs inside the automobile at all times? <laughs> God damn it, we got to give him a fucking well, credit. It was an automobile. It was a oh, vehicle. Still, still. Uh, next up, director of photography. And this guy, and this is the reason why I think you liked how it was shot. A uh, man named Alex Thompson. Uh, his first movie, Here We Go Round the Mulberry Bush in 1968. But he really made it huge in the 80s as he was the director of photography for Excalibur in 1981. If you remember okay. anything yep. about that, it was visually yep. stunning. Uh, Legend in 1985. Ooh. Labyrinth in 1986. Leviathan in 1989. So in the 80s, those movies yeah, were all, yeah. if you've ever seen them, stunning movies. Uh, he was the Mr. Destiny in 1990, if you remember Mr. Destiny. Great movie. Uh, Alien 3 in 1992. No matter oh. how you feel about it, it looked great. <laughs> I, I, I like the movie, but no matter how you feel about it, yeah. it looked great. Demolition Man in 1993. Nice. <laughs> Love Demolition Man. Executive Decision in 1996. So in the 90s, he did a lot of these action films. Yeah. 
And his last movie he ever did was a, a foreign film called Der Let's Flug in 2004. Unfortunately, we lost Alex Thompson on June 14th of 2007 at the age of 78. But I would say that he's done, uh, when you said that the movie looked great, there's a oh, reason. Yeah. yeah, There's an absolute reason behind it. Now that we found out who was behind making the movie, let's find out who starred in it. For the love of God, will someone please punch me in the face so I can see some stars? And once again, Cloris Leachman. We have some stars in this film. Actually, real stars. Uh, unusual, because there's a lot of movies we do that we don't have real stars. Let's talk about the major stars in this movie. And of course, let's start with the man who starred in the film, whose name is literally above cliffhanger when you look at it on the case. And that is Sylvester Stallone, who plays Gabe Walker. We are not going to go through all of his things, but we, uh, his first movie was a movie called The Square Root in 1969. He's been in all the Rocky movies, all the Rambo movies, all the Expendable movies. He's been in Copland. Uh, any shout outs that you guys want to do for Demolition Man was already mentioned. Uh, any other shout outs you want to do? What <laughs> What do you got over the, the top. top that's right we talked about that as a writing any other movies you want to give him a shout out for because let's be honest sylvester stallone's been in a ton of movies yeah, I Italian Italian when he was a porn star uh, yes yes he did that movie although that they, they changed the name of that movie but yes it originally was the well they changed it to the italian stallion from what the original name was after he was rocky Balboa. Yeah. of course he's been involved in all the creed movies yeah. except for the last one because he's out of that universe now and uh yeah Let's be honest. Sliced alone. If you don't know who he is, you've been living under a rock. Next up, we have the legendary John Lithgow playing Eric Quaylen. Uh, uh, his first movie, a movie called Dealing in 1972. Uh, then he uh, little small roles until the 1980s when he really burst on the scene in 1983's Twilight Zone, the movie. Remember, he took the William Shatner, there's yep. something on the wing role and like really owned that shit. Yeah. It was already a classic episode of Twilight Zone. Now you think to John Lithgow instead of uh, the, the great William Shatner, which is kind of interesting in its own. He was uh, the villain, if you will, in Footloose in 1984. <laughs> uh, he was in Harry and the Hendersons in 1987. Uh, one of the be one of the movies that I think he should have won an Oscar for was Raising Cain in 1992, yep. where yep. he plays somebody with multiple personalities. So he plays like I think three or four roles in that movie. Tremendously good. He was uh, back in the Pelican Brief in '93, later this same year. A Civil Action in '98. He was in a movie we all enjoyed, Orange County in 2002. Yep. yep. Rise of the Planet of the Apes in 2011. The Pet Cemetery remake where he played the Judd role in 2019 yeah. took over for Herman Munster, if you yeah. will. Yes, he'll always be Herman to me. I know that he's got a real name. <laughs> and of course, he was also in Sharper in 2023. And of course, if you are a millennial, you probably know him best from Third Rock from the Sun, where he was uh, the father there for a long, long time. And of course, giving a huge shout out because we normally just do movies, but let's be honest, Dexter season four. Yeah, he was great in Dexter as a Trinity killer. So good. Amazing. Uh, next up, a man... Who doesn't need an introduction, but he does get an introduction because he's great. Michael Rorker, the legendary. I say that because I think he's great in everything. He's oh, one he's of those guys great. who's great in everything he does. He plays Hal Tucker. Uh, his first movie ever was a starring role in a movie that people love. Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer in 1986. Yes. Think about that. He starred in a fucking one of the greatest serial killer horror films of all time. In his first movie. Yeah. He has no credits before. No TV, no nothing. That's fucking insane. Uh, next up, he was in. Uh, he's been in some smaller roles, which is weird because he went from a starring role in a in a movie that's penned as being phenomenal to being in a bunch of like secondary roles and like cameo roles, uh, pretty much. Uh, his next big movie, Eight Men Out, in 1988. Mm -hmm. He was in JFK in '91, really good role there as well. Tombstone in '93, also the same year as this. Mallrats in 1995. Yep. Shout outs for Kevin Smith. Uh, the Bone Collector in 1999. Slither in 2006, where yep. I thought he was great in that movie. Super in 2010. I got to throw that out there for Diesel yep. specifically because he loves him some Super. The Super's great. And then the role that most of us nerds know him for, he was uh, Yondo in Guardians of the Galaxies Volume 1 and 2. Uh, most recently, two movies in 2021 that made a lot of money. F9. 
2021, so Fast and the Furious Part 9. And The Suicide Squad in 2021 yep. as well. The <laughs> yeah. Suicide. The, the actual uh, James Gunn version. The good version, if you will. <laughs> if you will. Uh, next up and last, as far as the main stars that we're going to talk about in depth, uh, Janine Turner plays Jesse. Uh, she was mostly in... Uh, soap operas back in the day. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, her first movie role, Young Doctors in Love in 1982. She was in Monkey Shines in 1988. She was in Steel Magnolias in 1989. And most recently, she was in a movie called Taking the Reins in 2021. Most people, though, know her from her role on Northern Exposure from 1990 to 1995. Yeah. Uh, I think it was, an, I'm not saying that she's a bad actress. I think she's a good actress. It was an interesting choice for the role, though. Yeah. Because yeah. usually at this time in action films, they chose like super hot, out of reach, unobtainable chick. I mean, they make fun of it even in the Hot Shots movies and such. Yeah. You yeah, know this, what I mean? This one, they had to be more based in reality and like, yeah, we're not quite to the Baywatch stage yet. <laughs> so, yeah. That, that, that'll be cliffhanger too. Yeah, absolutely. Cliffhanger <laughs> 2, a day at the beach. <laughs> so, we always like to give a few shout outs to people in the movie that uh, we're not going to jump in completely. But first and foremost, a shout out to a man that was in this movie and I and we all low and love him playing the role of Kenyette was Leon and uh, if you don't know who Leon is <laughs> cool runnings yep, yeah. above the rim amongst other films I love me some Leon you know what if you can get over by having one fucking name you're the man yep you're mm-hmm. the man he's up there with like Sting and everybody else <laughs> that has one name in his favorite Prince that's right I'll put him up there why not who doesn't Next up, though, and I got to give this guy credit, playing the role of Frank, Ralph Waite. Uh, you might not know him unless you're an old person, you know, but he was John Walton Sr. So Mr. Walton on the motherfucking Walton, yep. y'all. <laughs> Listen, uh, I'm going to go into it in the review, but the, what makes his portion of the movie hard for me is I remember him as Mr. Walton. Yep. So I had a deep connection to him, and it was awesome to see him in this movie. I'm not going to lie. Not gonna lie it was super super awesome and last but not least because there's other people but the last one i'm gonna give a shout out to is somebody that we all know and love from many many movies and he's always a henchman he's always a villain and that is thor uh, you know him as the big blonde dude from die hard yep. Yep. Uh, and he's in this movie and he's in he's always a henchman always it, it, I, I love having him in the movie, though. Uh, he, he added something to it. With the name like Thor, we know he's an alpha in real life. So the real acting challenge is for him to be the henchman. So he he's up for the challenge. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And he was in this movie, and I saw him, and I was like, Thor! <laughs> like, like that's how bad it is when we watch so older so many older movies, and I just get to go, oh, fuck, yeah, he's there. There's, there's, yep. there's a bunch of guys that are in different movies, multiple like character actors that I'm just like mark out for every time I see them. Oh, this movie, like everybody, like all the ancillary characters, like from the treasury and all that shit, you're just like, I know that guy. I don't know his name, but I know that guy. Yeah, oh, well, that guy. Yeah. Oh, he's been in a ton of shit. Like this movie is full of people who are like, oh yeah, I've seen him before. Yep. <laughs> like Paul Winfield's in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he, you know him from like Star Trek Two and The Terminator and Mars Attacks and and if you see him though, you know him from everything. Yes. <laughs> everything. He's been on so many TV shows and stuff. Like like just going through just like the quick. It's just amazing the amount of people in this movie that were phenomenal. Yep. Well, because we're not doing a spoiler free. Or spoiler, full section, spoiler, free separation. We're not going to give you a recommendation because we are going to dive right in to this week's movie review. It's going to be full of spoilers, which if you can count spoilers for 30-year-old movie, but here we go. So with that, let's start it off. Let's kick it off with things that we liked about this movie. Because I don't know if you necessarily have to go through timeline, because if you go through the timeline in this movie, it's basically tragedy strikes, 
we have the opening scene where uh, you know a friend Hal is taking his girlfriend at the time up to like a dangerous tr- fucking section to climb gets stranded because he hurts his knee so they have to have the rescue team led by our good friend Gabe and as they're trying to rescue her her harness snaps and Gabe can't hold on well to be fair she also doesn't try to pull herself up yeah too. yeah he's, he's yelling it. this was mostly her I, fault I don't want to die I don't want to die but didn't do anything to help herself exactly but anyways since she falls to her death so then we get fast forward boom what do we find out is eight months later uh, through dialogue not through anything else and basically uh, we are now introduced to the pilot the pilots in the plane and taking these uh, uh, same serial marks to never in circulated circulation thousand dollar bills equaling a hundred million dollars and they're transporting on a plane and they're transporting somebody else and we get that back storyline we get the back storyline of gabe coming back and then of course we get the hijacking of the plane and the losing of the money because it doesn't go to plan it doesn't go to plan although by the way most expensive stunt done in a movie was the uh transfer from one plane to the other Oh, really? So when the guy slides across, that is the most expensive stunt ever done in a movie, according to IMDb. So that's pretty interesting. Uh, I'll read the exact statement from IMDb for you because I thought this was great. The film is in the Guinness Book of World Records for the costliest aerial stunt ever performed. Stuntman Simon Crane was paid $1 million to cross once between two planes at 15,000 feet without the aid of any safety devices or trick photography. The insurance company refused to insure a stuntman for this, so Sylvester Stallone offered to reduce his own fee for the movie by the amount that the stunt cost to produce in order that the film could be made the stunt was filmed in the united states as such a stunt is illegal in europe where most of the film was shot crane couldn't actually get inside the second plane but at good editing gives the appearance that he does so that scene where he's going between the two planes that is real <laughs> okay so i know i, I we, we speak a lot about you know practical effects versus cgi and all this stuff and taking it back to 93 you don't need this million dollar stunt. You could just use creative editing to be like, all right, we got it. Yeah. That was a million dollars not well spent. <laughs> now, if it was like the Sly character and it was like a close up, like maybe it's going to be like the defining moment of this movie. No, no, this, this is just a, this is how we get to our actual story. And it doesn't, you don't need to see that. You could have just been like, oh, see him get on the zip wire. Cut to him coming into the plane. Done. <laughs> Save you $999,000. You just had to pay per diem. <laughs> right. But they didn't. Mostly the highest aerial stunt of all time. So now, after this, something goes wrong because obviously one of the people on the plane is still alive. They shoot the, the pilot as he's trying to escape and with the money. And then the money breaks freely from the tether over uh, this vast wilderness in Colorado in the Rocky Mountains. And uh, when we pick up, they're trying to search for that stuff because the plane crashes. They're searching and they call our rescue group. Our rescue group thinks they're going to uh, aid some lost hikers. Meanwhile, it's the thieves, and they end up kidnapping both Hal and Gabe, who are, Gabe has been reluctant to come back because he wasn't going to come back. He was just coming to get his his love of his life to take her with him to Denver, and instead, she cons him into going, for, you know, to make sure Hal does not get killed. They have, by the way, they we're going to talk about this in a minute more. They have the weakest fight of all time before becoming brothers again. <laughs> and it's not like they become brothers right after. Throughout the movie, all of a sudden, they're brothers again. I just want to throw this one out there. But anyways, uh, then, you know, shit ensues Gabe has to face save the day and that's pretty much the movie yeah. it's pretty straightforward yeah. so let's go into likes and I, I said this to you Diesel I love the action in this film yeah the action's great yes this movie 
we're like if you guys were listening to like older ones where we did hard target uh like we were like there's fucking two action scenes in an action movie that's it this movie no 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 they give you all sorts of different action scenes we get a plane crash action scene we get climbing action scene we get girl falling from a canyon action scene we get gunfire we get sliced alone riding a bad guy like a snow toboggan and sticking his face in the snow and getting the skin rubbing the skin off his face action scene we have all sorts of great action scenes in this film and i i think that all of them in my I thought all of them were good. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Would uh, you want to speak on the action scenes, Diesel? Yeah, the action scenes were great from the actual like eye candy aspect of like the movie opening with a shredded sliced alone doing rock climbing. <laughs> Women and gay guys, have your moment because <laughs> this is glorious. Then you get to your actual, your, your first movie death, which was an anxious ridden scene because like you're watching him try to get out there to save her and she can't. It's a cool little action beat. Then you get into, you know, the actual, like, physical fights. Pretty interesting yeah. how they did it, especially, like, before the toboggan ride. The guy's got this night vision goggles on, and he's like, give me a flare. And you're just like, oh, this is going to be cool. So he blinds the guy with a flare, and then yeah. fight ensues, and then he just buries his face into yeah. the ground as he's going down. A lot of cool action scenes. So I did enjoy all the action. Yeah. Agreed. How did you think, feel about the action in this movie, no. Ron? Yeah, definitely was way better than I remembered it. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. Um, and it like, hit all the beats you needed for this movie. Like, it really did. My other main positive of this movie, and it goes to the cinematographer, this was a great, great fucking shot film. Mm-hmm. I love the look of this film. They have epic shots in this film. Yeah. I love how they shoot the, uh, the background wilderness and the mountains, yeah. and it makes you really feel like you're in the Rocky Mountains, even though they filmed this over in Europe. Yeah. But it still makes you feel like you're in the Rockies. So I I really enjoyed the cinematography of this film all in all. Uh, Diesel, any other positives you want to add for Cliffhanger? For the time. This is a negative and a positive. It does encapsulate the early 90s. I'm oh. not saying that as a good or bad thing, but it does definitely take you to a certain like three-year window period of the 90s. And you're just like, yeah, that was the 90s. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Anything else for the positives to add? For a simplistic story, it was actually kept you in, like with the action beats. It kept you enthralled. It there it was nothing spectacular, but it was still like when I'm watching, it, I was like, all right, this you, is this. I, I went in there thinking I'm going to hate this, and I did it. I was yeah. actually pleasantly entertained throughout the entire thing. Ron, do you have yeah. any positives you want to add to Cliffhanger? Well, it like it's it's one of those. It was one of those movies where like the action beats fit into the movie where you needed them to fit into to keep you entertained through the two-hour movie because it's about two hours and it didn't feel like two hours mm-hmm. because of the action beats and I, I know we said that before but it's just one of the big things about this movie like we've already established the story is simplistic so you you have to find elsewhere shot beautifully it looks great i enjoyed it way more than i thought i would watching it this time because i watched it last week and i'm like damn i know i don't remember being like this entertaining but yeah. it, it is a fun watch so now let's go to dislikes. <laughs> so I'm going to say this. I'll, I'll kick it off, and we're going to kind of do it around. But I'll kick it off and go to Ron for his opinions. My biggest dislike in this movie is the script. The the actual script. Not necessarily the story. The story, like, the ba- yeah. the basic plot of the story is fine. Like, you know, we have, you know, the problem arises. You know, we have the troubled hero, right? Then we have, like, the actual th- theft going on. That kind of goes wrong. Now we get to mix our troubled hero, our other main characters, and the villains all into a storyline together. 
the seeking out of, of, of getting that storyline and the ending are all fine. The plot points in this movie are perfectly fine. I just want to throw that out there. Hence why, based on the premise by. Right, right. <laughs> However, the script itself, and here's my biggest draws, and I want to get your guys' opinions too on this, and then we'll go around for other things. The biggest problem is two things. A, the dialogue. Like, the dialogue felt like you would never say these things in real life. Yeah. Like, there's so many times where two characters are talking and you're just like, that is not rooted in fucking anything. No. And, like, and I know Diesel is going to bring it up, so I'll bring it up here so you can just speak on it, too. But, like, the, the little one-liners that aren't even funny. Like, you've mentioned it three times now. Keep your hands inside of the vehicle at all really? times. And right before he fucking ditches him off the roof, fucking yeah. cliff in the fucking helicopter. And then right after that, Michael Rorker, when the when the cops, when the co- the FBI shows up on a helicopter at the top of this mountain, and they're just like, well, what happened? Like, they just asked him his name, and he gives him his name, and they're like, oh, okay, that's fine. You're not you're not criminals. We don't know, but you're not <laughs> criminals. We don't even know who we're hunting for. But then they're like, uh, where's uh, Quaylen? Well, he's about 4,000 feet south of here, dressed in a helicopter ah. and then the, the response good good. <laughs> yeah, just like, good uh yeah so the dialogue is rough like i said we're gonna go around in a minute and my other problem is just like there are certain things in the script that have no reason being there and this movie was another one of those movies and this is part of it that could have gotten 20 minutes shaved and i'm not saying an entire scene erased this is one of those rare movies where an entire scene doesn't need to be erased but you could have shortened down some of these longer scenes for no reason i.e even even that opening scene where she's like hanging from the wire they could have shortened that we i get it there's the money shot is stallone looking sexy off the side of a cliff that goes on for a while but then we're on this 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 rope and it takes fucking forever and i yeah. get that they're trying to build tension but it doesn't you just keep going this is fucking gonna happen yeah when's this gonna happen that's mm-hmm. what i felt myself and throughout the movie there's other scenes where you're just like okay why did we add this extra piece of dialogue and this extra fucking two minutes to a scene that the scene should have been over two minutes ago and i feel like they do that throughout the movie well it's 90s when they were pushing movies to be two hours instead of an hour yeah right but still it was no i i agree but that's when movies push to two hours because in the 80s everything was an hour and a half like like 90 minutes solid and then all of a sudden 90s hits and it's like everything had to be 120 minutes and it's just that's what happened in this and in and, and, and the positive that we didn't mention, uh, I think we did in the pre-show a little bit, but for those on Patreon, but like, this is definitely Die Hard on a Cliff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that out of all the Die Hard clones, they nailed Die Hard on a, you know what I mean? Yeah. In this case, a cliff. They, you know, because we have Die Hard on a plane. We have Die Hard on a boat. We have Die Hard on a, like, th- that was under siege, by the way. If you didn't catch that. <laughs> but you know what I mean? You have all these di- Die Hard in an arena. That's, you know, uh, what is it? Uh, it's not sudden impact. uh uh, uh, the, the sudden death. Double in, the sudden death. Sudden, sudden death. death. Yep. It's inside of an arena. So yeah. So you have all these Die Hard clones, right? This is the one of them that nails it. And but just like Die Hard, there's these extended pieces of the story. Uh, Die Hard does it better. Let's be honest. Die Hard has is, is a legendary yeah. film. When we talked about Die Hard, we mentioned that it does it good. But there's scenes in Die Hard you could actually get rid of, and that's what this also took from that, in my opinion. Ron, you want to add to the dislikes? Add to that or any of the other dislikes you have of Cliffhanger. No, like it's like you said, it is a diehard clone. So if you're going going to going in thinking it's like some kind of original thing, it's not. But it's it's a copy of a movie that is great, and this movie isn't bad. It is, you know, like you said, because of the action beats, you do get through this movie, and it does keep your interest for the whole two hours that you're watching it. But there are parts where you could have gotten down to an hour and forty five, and would have been wouldn't have missed a beat anywhere. 
But it's just that push in the 90s where everything had to be two hours when, you know, because that was like the first jump in movie prices at theaters. And like people are like, well, people don't want to go or people are complaining that we need like an 85 minute movie. And I'm not paying four dollars to go see an 85 minute movie I, or, you know, I need, I need two hours, blah, blah, blah. And that's all that real, that push was. The area of quantity over yeah. quality. Yeah. That's what that area era is, and you if you've watched as much movies as we've watched and grew up at the theater, like you understand when the price jumped, like movies got longer, and now you know it's to the point where we're like, man, hour and a half, let's go. I'm, yeah. I'm good with an hour, an 85 minute. movie. You get bonus points for hour and a <laughs> yeah. half, even well, if it's a bad movie, you get yeah. at least one point for about <laughs> yeah. an fucking yeah. hour in, and in and out, man. We we don't got time for this bullshit. <laughs> Absolutely. Diesel dislikes continuing. All right, the plot armor in this movie is astounding. <laughs> You know, we're in the the Rocky Mountains. We're not far from the Grand Canyon. This is the Grand Canyon of plot armor. There are scenes, you know, they finally get to our rescue rangers, essentially. And we just, all of a sudden, these guys are carabinered up. They're scaling these mountains, but they never show them scaling the mountains. They'll show slide, you know, rock climbing up the side of a mountain. But then all of a sudden, these guys are right behind them. And they're just like... Well, he took the shortcut by doing the dangerous route by actually scaling the mountain. They're just all hiking in a single file. And it's like, how the fuck are they like right behind him as they're on the hunt for the money? This one might be a little controversial. Michael Rooker as a good guy. Yeah, I yeah, don't, yeah. don't like it. Don't, don't I wasn't. Do I wasn't, not like it. Wasn't <laughs> a fan only because of all the bad roles we've seen him in as a bad guy. Except for Guardians, where he's a reformed at the end. Mary but, Poppins, Joe. Yeah, yeah, Mary Poppins, Joe. I, I I will say this. I said this to you this morning. I did not remember this movie. I saw it back in the day. I did not remember this movie enough. Like so, mm. everything to me almost was new because I was like, man, I didn't remember this happens. But some things after I saw him, I'm like, okay, I remember that now. Yeah. But it was like dragging my memory. So in the beginning of this movie, when uh, the girlfriend of his dies and he's screaming at Gabe, he then gives him this look. And they pause on the look yeah. before fading away. And it's the look in most fucking action films of, man, he's going to get his revenge. Yeah, he's going to be the action. villain. You know what I mean? So I'm totally expecting, because I forgot about it. I didn't remember this movie enough. I'm totally expecting that he's somehow going to play into being in that group. That like The twist of this movie is he's involved with the villains. And we're going to have that showdown. He's going to try to kill Sly. And we don't get that. Yeah. And I, I thought that that was weird because they then why show that shot? That was a weird shot to show if he's not, unless you were trying to red herring it. But at the same time, it's not it's not posed, poised as a mystery. We no. know who the bad guys are. Yeah. So if he was working with them, you don't need to red herring shit. Yeah. So going to your point earlier and Ron's point earlier, where um, wasn't sure. You know, they did say that he had to go tell her family that she had passed. It was him. So they were in a serious relationship. By, by the way, Sly Sly also goes, but you didn't have to look in her eyes as she you fell from the, the oh. canyon. <laughs> Another negative. <laughs> Uh, but then when you brought up earlier too, like once they get reintroduced eight months later, there's kind of like this little shove push off thing where they're fighting and slides like push me off. Like if that's what you got to do, I'm ready to die. And he's like, no, you live with it. <laughs> fast forward, fast forward, literally a day in the story later and they're hugging atop a cliff. <laughs> well, not even then, even before that too, he's like, they, he blames him for his, you know, fiance's death. And then when they're, you know, essentially kidnapped by the thieves and they send Sly up with without a coat, without an yeah. ice pick and out any of the things to go retrieve their essentially $33 million case, he yells up and warns him that they're going to kill you when you when you get back. Which risks his own life for a guy that he doesn't care about. Yeah. Think yeah. about it. They could kill yeah. Michael Rourke's or Hal's character yeah. if they want to. So uh, what, 
the last time we saw these two in a scene together, he's like, no, you live with what you did. And now he's just like, they're going to kill you, buddy. They're going to kill you. Stay up there. Like, <laughs> and he, he does it another time in the movie. Well, right before that, too, too, he goes like, if you can, just go. Don't don't worry about me. Just go. And then yeah. Sly's like, you, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't do that, so I'm not. And he's like, like, he's an honorable guy. Like, <laughs> the guy just tried to fucking throw you off a cliff. Technically, he grabs a hold of him and pulls yes. him over a cliff. So, like, if it wasn't for the fact that he's like, no, it's more torturous for you to live with yeah. it because you want to die, then he would have gone over the edge of the fucking cliff. Yeah. So, it was like that little... They were yeah. friends. They hate each... Well, one hates the other. And then all of a sudden he's concerned about his safety. It just didn't make sense. Like the the way it was portrayed. Yes. Let me piggyback off of that to something to recall before you go into any other dislikes. Let's talk about the Jesse and Gabe love story. Because even Ron was confused about that. They are in love. Like in that first scene, you know, he's talking about catching glances from the other girl. And she's like, well, he better not or else he's going to be sleeping outside tonight. So they're in love. When he comes back to get her, they make reference that I haven't seen you in eight months, but they're in love. She even says at one point in Juncture, you know, it's hard for me to love or hate you. Like she makes all these. So they're in love, but we never see them kiss. We never see them other than the scene in the cave where he's like, like kind of cradling her for mostly yeah. for warmth. We never see them really physically interact for two people who are in love. We never see them do anything that people in love do. Yeah. But yes, she's his fiance and she's his love interest. Yeah. And, and when he goes to the, the her house, it's this is our home. That's what she says. Our house. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, they are together, but they don't really. Sh- yeah, they. And granted, it's actually not a bad thing either because you're in this high stress survival situation. I don't really want to see them holding hands and being all lovey dovey because that makes no sense either. But yeah, but at the same time, you would have liked to see something <laughs> yeah. that proves that they're together. Yeah. Like when he comes back to the house, either she hates him and throws something at him and been like, "You're left me," whatever, whatever. You you weren't going to be calling this our home if he just disappears for fucking eight months. Is all yeah. I'm saying. Yeah, eight it, months, no message. Or if you don't care and you're just happy to see him, you're going to fucking at least hug him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but there's no scenes of them even even in the like when he gets to the shelter part. Let's talk about plot armor. Let's get to that. All of a sudden, he gets to the shelter point and she. She goes there because she's like, well, that's where they would go for shelter. And so she goes there and it's a museum to the old, like, you know, miners of the, yeah. the Rockies. And it just so happens to have everything they need to kind of go along in the in the Rockies, including warm clothing. Well, but even there, she doesn't even like she you think she would embrace him or whatever, because he's just coming from the freezing cold and he has no coat on. He's wearing yeah. a fucking basically a cut off shirt and she doesn't even embrace him there. Well, and mind you, too, like he. he they, they kept his coat as an insurance policy, the thieves did. <laughs> Send him up there to retrieve their bag. Hal warns them that they're going to kill you. There's still two other bags. And I get the logic that you only need one guide, but you got you got like six of you. you take one group each, get, a, get, get back. But the, the thieves were kind of dumb. Oh, yeah. But so he's freezing. He's hypothermic. The, the, she finds him. They go into the little thing. They smash open the glass, which they could have just opened up the back thing, whatever. And she hands him a, essentially a long tea. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. He he shivers for a little bit, but then he's good. He's fine. He's fine. <laughs> he's like, fine the rest of the movie while they're out in the cold. And the supplies that they got, they didn't really get much supplies. Right, but it was just the stuff that they needed. It was like 65, and all of a sudden we have a rope. Even though yeah. the rope sucked, they still had a rope when they yeah. needed a rope. Well, yeah. That rope was like 60 years old. Yes. Well, it, it, but, but hey, it lasted long enough yeah. to get it, them across it, what they needed to get across. Is this rope going to hold? Probably not. (laughs) It lasted long enough. Once again, plot armor. Uh, Speaking of plot armor, and I'm glad you brought up, the villains in this movie are fucking stupid for most of the movie. Although they were smart enough to plan a heist at the level they planned it. However, hey, first sign of adversity, we're dumb. Yeah. Uh, True. All right. So you got the badass chick who's also a pilot. 
she's a demolition expert. Well, once their numbers start waning, and uh, Travers is like Travers is the treasury agent who defected turncoat, the turncoat. Is just like I, he's the only one that has a code for the tracker too. With God grabs his lady, you know what love is. <laughs> Sacrifice and shoots her in the back the for way, no reason. Doesn't, just doesn't shoot her once. He shoots her like three or four times. It's like pop, pop, pop. Just because now he's the only, only person to pilot, and it just made no sense. Like they started off with like, yeah, they said five, but it was more than five, and all of a sudden you're down to like three quick. <laughs> well, at this point in juncture, you're down to three, and you're going to be down to two just in a minute. And yes. Diesel, the greatest line of dialogue in this movie. So one of the terrorists, and I don't even remember his name because it's not important. He's the last one left. I'll call him terrorists. I don't think they're robbers, whatever you want to call them. But he's the last one left, Diesel. He he gets sent with Travers. He's from Europe. From Europe, from Britain, essentially. So they they shot, shot, and like you can hear shots for 10 miles. Doesn't matter. Nobody cares. But Travers tells him, all right, we found, we've located the last uh, tracker. We can get dispose of this guy now. We don't need him. And he goes, do it quietly. Do it quietly. So, guy takes him up, t- takes Hal up, and he's just like... Hal, to his credit, talking shit the whole time. Talking True. shit. True. Gloriously. <laughs> and um, he goes, do you like soccer? I was a great striker back in the day. And then proceeds to commentate the entire ass-kicking that he delivers. <laughs> he's British. It ain't soccer. <laughs> It would be, do you like football? <laughs> but this was 90s, and no, that's fucking soccer. <laughs> it's an American movie. going to say soccer. It's, it's, it's a fucking American movie, that's why. <laughs> but yeah, he would have said football. It's like one of those faux pas that you're like, uh, it's yeah. not horrible, but it's just, uh, he wouldn't have said that. Uh, go to another positive that we like we were talking about on the way up here. Uh, the Frank scene with the helicopter spinning. Yes. So they yes. did do something right. Um, so... The old man, Mr. Walton, you knew when you saw him that he's only here because they want a likable person to die. Yeah. And he does. They they track him by thinking they put the lady down and she's like acting as a decoy. They got a gun to Hale's head so he can't Off ward, the side of the cliff. Too. Off the side of the cliff. So out of sight. Frank, you know, is a good man, drops down the helicopter, runs over there with his medical supplies. And... Hell is screaming, but you can't hear it through the sound. Like, this is yeah. the one technical thing that they did well, because you're just like, well, why didn't you warn him? Because you couldn't hear. Yeah, when we yeah. were talking earlier, I almost for thank you for yeah. remembering it. That's what I said. I said, in most movies, <laughs> they just put the gun to the guy's head, and the guy's quiet. And he's upset, but he's quiet. In this movie, I'll give him credit. They have the gun to him, but he's yelling, Frank, now! Frank, and he's yelling it. They're going to kill you, Frank, now! Yeah. And he's yelling, but... The, the point is he can't hear him over the helicopter and he does it yeah. and and it's fucking and then you get the moment and then it makes it even worthwhile yeah. by the way this is plot armor but it's good <laughs> because then when he runs over because uh, you know it's not it's the guys the european guy yeah. who ends up shooting frank and then and because even the girl's like well you didn't need to kill him you know what i mean yeah. and they're like well we don't need an extra person of course they're just sadistic they're yeah. doing it for the shits and gigs but when hal runs over and he grabs a hold of frank and frank's still having his dying moments and he's he gives him frank gives him a knife yeah so he pockets the knife but you know you can see that hal is upset about it and it's just like it's a perfect thing to kind of give you into that emotion and like i said i wish they would have flushed out some of the characters better that's a de- definitely yeah. one of the 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 dis, you know dislikes in this movie 
But I, you know, if you knew he's Mr. Walton, you already had feels for him. <laughs> and, but you're you're relying on people knowing he's Mr. Walton. I don't yeah. think the new age of kids would know he's Mr. Walton. No. Yeah, and, and they did a good job with him just being like, he's a sweet old man that, you know, old, old hand at this spends his life saving people so you know that he's a good person yeah you yeah. can tell he's a good person but he, like I wish they would have fleshed some of the characters out more um, and they didn't I mean they did to an extent but like we don't know the backgrounds like we were talking about here's here's a dislike there's these two guys and two mountaineers two rescue guys and they're kicking these fucking trained military these are mercenaries these aren't just normal bank yeah. robbers mind you they're stupid I, I don't know how they're stupid because they plan this elaborate thing and they're mercenaries these yeah. dudes are mercenaries they, they know what they're fucking doing you know Leon's beating the shit out of him until he gets fucking stabbed it. I did like that scene. He, he fucking just lifts him up and stabs him into the thing. Fine. It's a great scene. It was so bad, but you forgive it because it's like, oh, you just the push visual him through was great. A, a stalactite. Like, yeah. fucking awesome. The visual was great. <laughs> yeah. And I'll forgive it because the visual was great. But anyways, so these guys are mercenaries. It's just, you need to remember this. So these two guys who are rescue workers, mountain men, rescue workers, yeah. they are defeating these mercenaries with tactical stuff. But we never get the point that there are any military train. The only line that we think is that when the girlfriend, when they're saving him, the girlfriend mentions that, uh, or no, first Sly goes about his bum knee and, sh- and he goes, oh, you know, the one that you hurt getting out of the hot tub. She goes, well, wait a minute. I thought you hurt that in Vietnam. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, the hot tub in Vietnam is what Sly says. <laughs> so you're like, so the only time we hear anybody has might have it is a story where it doesn't say that he was a Vietnam vet. It's just saying that Michael Rorker is so lying. He, was, yeah. he said he was. Yeah. So we don't know because he lied about the knee. So he's probably lied about being in the military, right? And we'd never hear anything about Sly. He's never wearing a, a thing. Like they're rescuers so I get their fit and in yeah. shape, but that doesn't mean you should be able to take out dudes with fucking automatic weapons who are trained and explosives and everything else like damn (laughs) not to mention tying things to a bunny rabbit uh, like they did a lot of tactical shit it's a lot of tactical shit for somebody who's not tactically trained Uh, one of the climaxes of the film too with not Quavar but the uh, Travers was that little bridge underneath the frozen pond. Oh, yeah. That yeah. was a cool little action scene where he grabs him from the bottom and then Sly goes into the frozen water. But then all of a sudden, you know, he froze trying to climb a mountain. Now he's in sub-zero waters. Yeah. Makes the, makes the kill, does everything right, but then gets out and he's just perfectly By fine. the way, shoots him with a bolt gun that you use to climb mountains. <laughs> he pulls the bolt gun up and fucking fires on him. From underneath the water. From underneath the water. Then he gets out of the water. He's fine. Yeah. He, he meets up. That's where he meets up with Hal and he's yeah. fine. He's fine. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. All right. Tuck, let's go. Tucker and Walker. Yep. They're fine. Yep. I mean, he is named after Walker, Texas Ranger. So maybe, maybe, oh, maybe he's like a nephew of Walker, Texas Ooh. Ranger. He's got like 2% of Chuck Norris's power. Listen, 2% of Chuck Norris's power is godlike. Godlike, if you think about it. Oh, his name should have been Clifford Hanger. <laughs> Clifford Hanger. <laughs> well, uh, any other dislikes or anything else you want to add about the movie before we go further? Yes. And this this goes back to my positive of it being an iconic 90s thing. The the duo of the younger guys that hate work and just love to be extreme. Extreme. <laughs> Not the 90s cliche. Extreme. You know, the weather's going to be bad. We like it extreme. Extreme. <sighs> but although when they're in the can- when they're in the tent, he's like, right now we could be anywhere but here right now. You should check the weather report. Even after he, they were told by Gabe the weather was going to be bad. Yeah. What the fuck? Like, you were told. Yeah, we could be doing this or playing some righteous air hockey. <laughs> righteous air hockey. By the way, once again. You were told by Gabe yeah. when you fucking drive along. They're like, Gabe, you're back, Gabe. There is a three-minute long. boy, Gabe's. They are a three-minute conversation of them driving up this windy mountain pass at like 55 yeah. miles an hour. Right side by along, side. Side, side by, by side. side. 
And there's no yelling. It's just, well, there's the extreme yelling. But then you got Gabe just being like, oh, you guys should be safe. <laughs> Your time in Denver didn't make you scared of heights, did it, man? Oh, That's it, literally a line of dialogue. And this is also toxic masculinity, the movie. This man's gone through some PTSD shit, and everyone's like, oh, you scared of heights, man? Fuck you. He's, <laughs> he watched a woman die. <laughs> By the way, I, just, I do want to point out, you said in the car to be PTSD, the movie. <laughs> Pretty much was. But no, yeah, the extreme characters. Of course, one of them ends up dead. By the way, dumbest dead scene ever, because they come over the hill, and they see Hal, and you see him with these other guys, and he's like, Hal, man, what What's up, brother? How's the weather? You know, the weather's terrible. We were in Tent City last night, brother. What are you, babysitting some hikers? Yeah, he's like, oh, we're going to do another jump off the tower. Oh, you want to come with or are you busy babysitting some hikers? And finally, Hal's like, run, run. And then they get fucking shot and the other one base jumps off. He still gets shot, but he gets base yeah. jumps off. He's in critical condition. Dude, how do you like the wolves were licking at his boots? Oh, <laughs> I was so fucking... That, that was why I didn't like Frank. Frank stopped the wolves. I would have remade this movie... If I remade this movie right today, if we did Cliffhanger in 2024, I would change that. And uh, Well, there's a lot of things I would change, but you could make this movie a modern movie that was really good. One of the scenes would have to be like when they find him, he's dead, and he's like eaten up to the knee, or still grasping on the life, eaten up to the knees by the fucking Not wolves. dead, but yeah, they're like... They're all the way up to his femur. Yeah. <laughs> and he's just grasping on the life, but he's missing legs. You know what yeah. I mean? Though as far as the wolves could get up is where they've been eating. Yeah, the extreme guy is now going to be an extreme uh, paraplegic. <laughs> yeah, I, I really I really think that that would be the move yes. now. Amongst uh, other fixings of the stories. but So the climax was also pretty cool. You know, like the, the tethering of the helicopter... It coming down, like, it just ripping off the stairs. The like, fight on the belly of the helicopter. Yeah. That was pretty cool. It was actually yeah. pretty cool. Um, I, but the big negative, though, was the Michael Walker line. He's wearing a helicopter. Like, oh, <laughs> feet south of hair wearing a helicopter. But the, the, I don't know if that's worse than uh, Sly Stallone before he kicks him off and gets him into the thing before it falls. Going, make sure you keep your hands and arms in the ride vehicle at all times. <laughs> <laughs> that that one really like was a cringe line that really was like you're you're enthralled with this movie. This one pulls you right the fuck out. You're like, what the fuck just happened here, man? What the fuck? Of course, how they get Jesse's like typical plot armor. Like, oh, she thinks it's Frank. It's not. It's I and mean, then she just stands there. Like, why not run? He can't shoot you and fly the fucking helicopter. You can run. Yeah, you can really run. Yeah. yeah. Like, how you, he's not going to be able to pull back on the fucking helicopter controls and fire at you with any accuracy. Yeah. He might be able to do both, but it's not going to be with accuracy. You've already dodged automatic gunfire running in previous action scenes. <laughs> I also want to point out that this fucking thing, they said low fuel, but he flies the fuck out of that helicopter mm. with low fuel. Yeah, they have no fuel to go looking for that last case, but they got enough fuel to make it back down. That's what they were sold. <laughs> yeah, but he's flying that motherfucker for a while. Yeah, he is. For a good long while. Well. Any other likes, dislikes, or anything else you would like to mention before Cliffhanger before we move on, gentlemen? Uh, I think we pretty much covered the Cliffhanger <laughs> the movie. I was going to say, I think we definitely got a good coverage on it with our likes and dislikes and uh, are kind of running through. So now, before we can give our scores, we got to give the scores from around the internet, and you know how we like to do that. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. <laughs> That's right, it's time to play the game. The game is played simply as this. It is Price is Right rules. It's closest to the number without going over gets the point. First of three points wins. Of course, the final uh, the final question can either be uh, 
prefer the closest to the number because we don't do ties here. Also, it can be worth two points. I'm just kind of get everything out of the way. Ron is your defending champion. He did defend it in the absentia of you, Diesel. Barely. Barely. By the skin of his teeth. I, 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 did, I did almost lose. The skin of his <laughs> teeth. He did almost lose. I mean, it's not easy to play by yourself, you know, when we do that game because you have to come in within five points. I do it daily. Oh, hi -oh. Hey -oh. I wasn't talking about that, Diesel. Calm it down over there. Calm it the fuck down. Uh, so the game is played simply, as you know, close to number price is right rules. I've already gone over that. Are you gentlemen ready to play the game? Yes. All right. First up, and because Diesel is the challenger, you go first. First up is IMDb out of 10 using points. What did they give Cliffhanger? 5.5. 5.5. Ron. 6. 5.5 and 6. And... Ron gets the point. 6.5 out of 10. Okay, okay. okay. That's our baseline. Next up, Ron, you get to go first. Metacritic out of 100%. What did they give? Cliffhanger. Oh, fuck. Uh, 62. 62. Diesel. Oh, I think that's a little high for It the probably credit. is. We're going to go yeah. with one point. <laughs> one, one point, Bob. And Diesel gets the point, although Ron was closer. 60%. Damn it. But you busted. Damn it. I almost said 60, but I went 60. Price is right. Rules coming fuck. to play. Diesel, you get to go first on this one. Rotten Tomatoes critic score. This is the critic score, so critics only. Out of 100%, what did they give Cliffhanger? 60%. Ron. 61. Ooh. He's gambling on the higher, but could it be? Well, if it's lower, you both fail, but I'll tell you what. Ron gets the point, 67%. <laughs> All right, Ron, you could get the win here, or Diesel, you need the block. Of course, Ron Tomatoes fan score out of 100%. What did they give it, Ronald? 78. Diesel. Let's go. One dollar, <laughs> Bob. <laughs> and again, he goes for once, and you said 78. Yeah, 78. And Diesel gets the point in the block because it was 52%. Oh, Jesus. 52%. Wow. <laughs> Good job on the one dollar bet there, sir. And last but certainly not least, and of course, because it's the championship advantage, Diesel, you go first. This is the closest to the number. Remember, gentlemen, this is not, there's no prize the right rule here because we must have a winner. Google users out of 100%. What did they give Cliffhanger? Diesel. 82. Ron. Higher or lower? <laughs> Sylvester Stallone, 83. <laughs> 83. 82. And of course, we do have a winner, folks. Your winner and still champion, Ron. It got 85% on, on Google users. 85%. I'm like, um, it's a Sylvester Stallone effect. You know what? The Sylvester Stallone effect paid off. By the way, I do want to address something that we mentioned earlier before we give our scores. And uh, we were talking about how it didn't get a sequel. It was going to get a sequel, though. According to IMDb, TriStar Pictures and Carlico Pictures planned a sequel in 1994 called The Dam, which was described as Die Hard in a Dam. and would have Sylvester Stallone's character from this movie fighting terrorists who took over the Hoover Dam, but it never went beyond the developmental stage. Stallone tried to resurrect the project again in 2008, but it never happened. So, ladies and gentlemen, we almost got The Dam. Oh, actually, you want to know what that thing is? I think I heard about that before. You know what's really weird? We got that uh, that daylight movie with Stallone. <laughs> that kind of sounds similar, only that was a tunnel. Yeah. I, the fact that he tried to resurrect this idea in 2008 proves that, well, he has acted in a lot of great movies, and he is responsible for the character of Rocky. This man is a dullard. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Well, there's that little bit of information. Now it is time for us to give our scores. Yeah, well... 
you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. All right, we're going to give our nerd scale score followed by my critic score. And first, the nerd scale is it's simple. This is a recommendation score. We base our recommendation based upon uh, our critic score of the movie mixed with an entertainment score, which means this could be a critically low movie, but if it was entertaining, it may raise the score on the nerd scale, whereas it also vice versa is true. It could be a critically great movie, but because it was boring, it could lower the score. So it's, it's a mix of the two, and at the end of the day, it's a recommendation for you, the listener. Of course, the nerd scale has five parts and five parts only, and here are the five parts. A one is no. That's That means the movie's terrible, and you should never watch it. A two is, you've been warned. That means this movie's not quite terrible, but it ain't good, so you've been warned not to watch it. A three is, ah, it's good. This is an average to good film. Uh, you don't need to go out and run out to see it, but if you catch it on, go ahead and watch it. It's not going to be an essential film. You might not watch it more than once. It's not going to be a waste of your time. It's going to be good, but it's not going to be something that blows your socks off. A four is, just take my money. That means these are essential films. It means if it's in the theater, if it gets re-released for an older film, go out and pay the money. If it's a new film, go see it in the theater. Add it to your collection. You know, whatever. You can spend money on this movie. You're probably going to watch more. This is uh, the very good to great films. And last but not least is the rarefied era, and that is Certified Nerd. These are the legendary films. These are movies like Jaws, Jurassic Park, and so many more where you watch them and you know that they are a fucking classic. And you're going to add them to your uh, list. You're going to go see them in the theater if they get re-released. You're going to do whatever you can because these movies are fucking tremendous. Gentlemen, are you ready to give your nerd scores? We'll start with Ronald. What is your nerd score and why? Four cliffhanger. All right, this this one is. Uh, I give it a three. You're gonna give it a three. It's good. It's good. It's good. I wasn't upset in rewatching it. I only watched it once back in the '90s on VHS, and you know, so like I wasn't upset that I rewatched it. It was entertaining for what it was. There, if you haven't seen it, I don't think you'd be upset in seeing it. Um, if you have seen it, you really don't need to re-watch it if you have seen it. you know I could understand where somebody in the 90s, this was their favorite movie, and they watched it over and over again. I get it, but it, it's there if you want to see it. Like I said, it's coming on Netflix. It's on uh, Paramount Plus right now, so if you want to watch, you know, if you want something to do in the afternoon on a rainy Sunday, there you go. All right, Diesel, it is now time for your nerd score. All right, so I, I started watching this last night, and I fall asleep, and I thought, oh, this doesn't bode well. So when I woke up at 2 a.m., I continued this movie, and I wanted to hate it. I was thinking, this is an easy one. Maybe it's going to be a two. But I actually enjoyed it. I had a good time watching it, and I landed on a three. It's good. It's good. It's good. All right. Well, are you going to add anything? Yeah, yeah. We, we went through its positives and negatives, but I think the positives outweigh the negatives with the entertainment value. Like, it... It's a fun action movie. So, in a fun action movie, lands out of three. You know, this is not a groundbreaking movie. This is not one of the greatest movies I've ever seen. Just throwing it out there. However, it was entertaining. I never, I don't regret watching the movie. I don't know if I'd ever watch it again. I wouldn't add it to my collection. I want to be it. But you know what? As far as one to watch, literally, this is a definition of a three on the nerd scale. It's good. It's good. So it's going to get a three uh, across the board because literally it's, it's the action scenes are entertaining. Yes, there's some negatives, but the entertainment outweighs the negatives in this film. I can forgive a lot of the plot armor and a lot of the stupid stuff because we get some really good action scenes. And at the end of the day, the actual plot line of the movie is actually really digestible. Uh, once again, not going to add to my collection, not going to add to the rotation. So it is definitely a standard three. Uh, I'm going to say this. I'm giving this movie for my critic score a 5.5 out of 10. Uh, it's just slightly above average. I want to give it because the average score at five, I don't think it's a below average. 
average film, obviously, putting it at three. It's not going to change the world, but I will say this. The half point literally comes from the action. Like, what saves yeah. this movie is the action scenes. Even some of the cheesier ones, like how Leon dies in, in the soccer one and getting knocked over the edge. Like, even some of the cheesier stuff, that's fine. Once again, that gives us just a little half point. So, five and a half out of ten, slightly above average. A three across the board for everybody for Cliffhanger here. And that is going to do it for this week's 3FN Movie Club Review. However, uh, I want to remind everybody, next week's show, next week, right here on the 3FN Podcast, we will be reviewing the brand new movie, Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3. And then, we're actually going to go to the well again to do another 30th anniversary movie the week after, as we will be reviewing Deep Impact. No, that's right. That's a movie that uh, I haven't seen in a while, so I can't wait to watch that as well. I gotta make sure I get the right version. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes. Don't watch that version, Diesel. You'll be reviewing something that we're not. So, next two weeks. Next week, Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3, the week after that. 30th anniversary for Deep Impact. Or is it 30th or 25th? I can't remember. I didn't write that in the notes. So 25th. It's, it's 25th anniversary. Thank you, Diesel. So, 25th anniversary. I misspoke. 25th anniversary Deep Impact. So, with that, Ronald... I do believe you have some business to take care of. Two out of ten stars. If you want to enjoy The Philosopher's Stone, read the book. This movie was clearly an attempt to making a quick grab for the Christmas book when it was released. I don't know if the movie was severely botched on the editing table or if it was just plain badly directed. It rushed through the story at breakneck speeds, jumping from scene to scene without the obvious connection between them. Perhaps a narrator could have solved this resulting in a confusing jumble of dialogue and action. After seeing this film, I was so glad that I had to that I had read the books. Otherwise, I probably would have been wondering what the heck was going on for most of it. The movie is what you get when you are trying to squeeze the content of an entire novel into a single film and then continue to cut it down to fit the attention span of an 8-year-old. Recommended only if you're under the age of 10 or are extremely familiar with the books. 2 out of 10 stars. Harry Potter just stalks people. By the way, for all of you Harry Potter nerds out there, send all your hate to at RedX230 on Twitter or Instagram. <laughs> for everybody else, make sure you visit 3FNPodcast.com <laughs> to get all of our information. I almost forgot to do that. Diesel, is there anything you wanted to add there? I was just going to say, that is actually how you write a bad review. Like that was, I, It got a point across. And I don't think they were like incendiary. Like some of them are just like, oh, this kid can't act. Like this was actually a well thought out bad review. And I appreciate that. <laughs> well, you know what? We appreciate your reviews. And uh, with that, we appreciate you all tuning in and listening to us each and every week. We'll be back next week where the 3FM Movie Club review is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Until then, for the guys and myself, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and most importantly, later, nerds. Later. Extreme. Harry Potter just sucks people. <laughs>